podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it was a week that went from nightmare to nightmare for many as Pope and all of his men in carrot and blue saved the day last night. It's a Halloween specials episode and I'm of course joined by Nick. How are you? Very well, thank you Tom. It's been a busy few days and I've been running around like a headless horseman trying to get various things sorted out. But you don't want to hear about that, you want to hear us talk about FPL, so let's get going. That's right Nick, we are Who Got The Assist. Find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at whogotthesist.com. Follow us and subscribe if you like what you hear of course. In this poll we'll run through game week's key talking points, update you guys in the Dark Siders team. There's a new on watch this week Nick and uh, no site corner but we have an expanded community section uh, to make up for it and it will return in the future. Thank you Tom, so how was your game week? Well, I mean, it was alright. I ended up with 49 points. Um, it was looking like a green arrow before Elliot conceded. Um, um, but I mean, 49 points, took a minus four hit, brought in uh, Murata for Kane last minute. He got an assist, which was pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it didn't quite work out with the other move, which was Rashalishan. I did him really, really early on. And yeah, Rashalishan just didn't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, red arrow again. I've fallen 20,000 places. Uh, yeah, you've quite got, depressing. You've got red on you again, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, quite depressing. I'm oh, covered in blood. Yeah, no, um, I scored um, 44 with a minus four. So it was a it was a pretty poor game week for me. Lots of um, tricks, lots of treats, but mostly tricks to be honest. It was just it was just one of those whirlwind game weeks. Like my captain missed a penalty. I think the three o'clock kickoffs were particularly ghoulish. I mean, I had three yellow cards from the likes of Sterling, Otamendi, um, and Richarlison. And then I also just, obviously, Salah missed a penalty. Sterling didn't start, but he came on and scored. And I got a last-minute assist from Loftus-Cheek, which was <laughs> pretty fantastic. Then on the Monday, I was kind of cheering on the nil-nil. So over, uh, over 60 likes on that. <laughs> so the, the amount of people in the community that were looking for that, that Burnley clean sheet was absolutely I mean, astounding. a boring bunch, I think. But yeah, it wasn't nil-nil in the end. But I got a ward cleanie from that but 44 minus 4 not very good it's a red arrow falling about 200,000 places so never mind where are you now? Uh, 364,000th in the world oh you're still about a million places above me then that's that's not depressing at all anyway uh, let's start with that Manchester United game the first game of the weekend so you didn't remove Kane this week what was the thinking behind that? well I figured I would definitely want him for the Crystal Palace game at home and I'd already taken a minus four at this point, so I wasn't going to take a minus eight to bring in another striker. I was looking at the options. There was like Vardy, Lacazette, Firmino, but none of them particularly appealed to me. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to hang on to Kane. I'd already taken a minus four, bring in like Loftus-Cheek, and it, and it paid off in the end, actually, hanging on to Kane, because he, he looks like he might be starting this weekend, possibly. He looks like he may be playing midweek. He's back in training, so I think that kind of made sense. Yeah, it was, a last, it was a last minute curveball, wasn't it? And I think it was one that some people jumped one way, some people jumped the other, and then some people were on Lacazette and, of course, licking their wounds this weekend. Other people, you know, got Morata and like myself, and you, I got, got okay there. I mean, Spurs didn't look that great without Kane. They only had four shots on target, and none of those shots came after half time. Definitely, I think it would have been a different game if Harry Kane had been on the pitch. I saw, I saw the game, it was mostly like pot shots from distance from the likes of Aurier 
and Sissoko, and frustratingly, they're all on target as well, which meant that De Gea was picking up save points for not doing much at all. I mean, and Manchester United, I have Phil Jones, you know, a nice nine points to open the game week with. Um, of the goal for United, it was like, you know, two weeks ago against Liverpool, there was that one Kharky chance, and that was basically the only chance they had all game. Didn't score that one, but they did score the chance for Martial. It was route one, De Gea smashed it to Kharky, onto Martial. Martial's 8.0 scoring a goal. I mean, is he is he someone to factor in, Nick, do you reckon? I think he'd have to have um, more starts, to be honest. I think he was the anti-meta captain and just completely bombed and he got pulled quite early. So I don't think Martial's someone I'm looking at at this moment in time. But Phil Jones is someone that I am actually looking at. I mean, he's got a face that scares little kids, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bit of a zombie face, but, you know... As an FPO asset, he's performing brilliantly. I mean, that, that nine points, I think, was the difference between me and you, really, this game week. Last weekend, it looked like he was a complete write-off, but he's properly risen from the dead this week to, to make that nine points. I was very happy with that, and he looks like you know one that you've got to have packed into your sides from now on. Definitely, and he's still very cheap at his price as well. 5.3, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, and... I think he, he's only um, conceded in one game when he's been on the pitch. He wasn't on the pitch when Huddersfield scored those two goals. Yeah, so, it's been, um, not, yeah. so he hasn't actually conceded on the pitch since game week four against Stoke. And that's the only time he has. So it's nine, essentially nine clean sheets for him out of tens, which yeah, is good stuff, very it? impressive. Exactly. And after the Chelsea game, they've got a nice trio of fixtures. They've got Newcastle and they've got Brighton and they've got Watford. And those are three games I'm expecting, you know, 18 points perhaps from Jones. Yeah, I think I will be drafting him in, to be honest. Um, obviously not this game week. Well, I could do potentially, but with the Chelsea game and his injury record, which is still a bit up in the air. Obviously he got injured last week but he seemed to be fit for this game week but still I think Jose Mourinho's made many comments about Jones's frailty yeah. he's, he's not um, he's not starting in the uh, Champions League game but yeah. yeah yeah you have to you have to worry about him a little bit so I'm not bringing him in this game week but I'm possibly bringing him in for game week 12 after the international break okay okay and then I think um, you know there's a few players who who are you going to take out for him actually Jones I haven't really thought that far ahead to be honest could be a could be Alonso. Um, I'm probably going to still keep Otamendi. It might be Cedric. <laughs> I might have to try and find you know 0.3 or something from yeah. somewhere. I mean, if Alonso goes, I mean, there's a tenuous link to the net, to, to the Chelsea game there a little bit. But I mean, Chelsea um, won the win. He recorded the the clean sheet, but he kind of dodged the bonus of it, didn't he? To some extent. Yeah, I mean, I was happy to get six points from him in, in a low-scoring game week. But I am a bit concerned about him. Obviously, they got Manchester United next. So it's very likely that Jose may park the bus and it'll be a nil-nil. But Chelsea in general, their defence hasn't been the same defence that we saw last season. They've already conceded 10 goals, which is, you know, more than um, the likes of Burnley and Newcastle, which is, is a bit worrying for them. Yeah, exactly. And they've got United up next, West Brom, Liverpool... Um, a trio of fixtures that may be deterring investment, you never know. I mean, I'm looking at Murata, who I brought in. I'm thinking, you know what, if Kane's fit and Kaku's fit, given those fixtures that I cited Manchester United a minute ago, um, I might be taking Murata out you know, two weeks after bringing him after the international break uh, to accommodate Lukaku again for those three fixtures. So, you know, his profligacy in that game, he missed so many chances, didn't he? It was, it was quite yeah, frightening to behold. I mean, it was a bit worrying, I think... Uh... There's a lot of uncertainty in terms of the forward lines this game week. like. But we'll cover the premium forwards a little bit later, I think, in the uh, community section because we've got a couple of community questions related to um, the forward line and what to do. Uh, Bournemouth, um, you know, they lost again. They're doing pretty badly in terms of the league. But 
I think um, a lot of people started to look at their defence actually because they've got a very good run of fixtures coming up Newcastle, Huddersfield, Swansea, Burnley, Southampton so I think um, a few people have um, been looking at Charlie Daniels as a potential asset Yeah definitely I mean we think the general trend is moving away from having these expensive wing bats and we'll talk about this a fair bit later on uh, to these defenders who are a bit cheaper and Charlie Daniels at 4.9 offers that kind of upside um, attacking upside that we know about 134 points I think it was last season which is pretty decent for a 5.0 or 4.9 now Yeah, and those fixtures he scored 4 goals last season 3 the previous he scored 1 so far this season so we know he's got attacking threats with those fixtures coming up he, uh, he offers quite good value you. If you if you don't have funds for him, there's always Simon Francis at four point four as well. <laughs> oh god, I'm not sure about Simon Simon Francis. Um, I think it probably has to be Daniels there. Defense does not look strong. They keep losing, and they are there are they are good fixtures. But you kind of want that element of form, and Daniels might pop into that. Whereas you know, do I trust the defenders to keep clean sheet? Probably not. Um, yeah, I mean that's fair enough. They've conceded 14 goals so far this season. Um, which, I mean, is much less than the likes of Everton and West Ham and Stoke, but still, the defence hasn't been great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I'm buying into that defence, I'm going to be selling Bellerin, um, who conceded, unfortunately, uh, that early goal at Sam Klukas for Swansea. Many were looking at it like a gimme. They were thinking, you know, Arsenal are definitely going to keep a clean sheet here, but it just didn't didn't work out. Unfortunately, there was one man in that game who I didn't own, who I kind of lost faith in, or I backed to yeah, Bellerin over. I guess over. it was a Kolasinac. I guess you're pretty <laughs> gutted that you didn't go for him in the end. You tried. I think at the time you were looking for a differential, and I, I kind of warned you. I said Bellerin will troll you. I said he trolled me last season when I owned him. And he will troll you this season. But you, you wanted the differential. You went for Bellerin over Klasnach. And maybe it was the, the wrong decision now. But but I mean, uh, early on, though, I mean, I got that assist. And I got that um, clean sheet with two bonus points, I think it was. So I got 20 points out of Bellerin. I mean, he, and Klasnach, for a little while, had that kind of haunted look about him. But now he looks like he's kind of gone back to the four. And he's looking a bit like Alonso did last season in some ways. So. Yeah, I mean, he's a machine. He's like the Terminator, isn't he? Charging about. People were saying he was playing a bit more withdrawn with Sanchez in the team. But, I mean, he got his opportunities um, going forward in this game and he took them. Yeah, exactly. The other man to kind of bear in mind is Aaron Ramsey. So uh, Aaron Ramsey, he had more penalty error touches in that game than Sanchez did. Um, and he's had more in the last four than Sanchez. So in the last four games, he's had 23 penalty error touches, whereas Sanchez only had 19. He's doing really well in that little free roll for us. And he's given kind of license to roam forward and be more box to box. And he seems to be getting in the positions that, that um, mean he could be returning points for a little while yet. The next three for us are obviously Manchester City, Tottenham, Burnley. I mean, Burnley maybe, but I think those two are ones that I'm, I'm opting out. I'm benching Bellerin this week, for example. So I'm, I'm not too sure whether I want to continue to back us. And Lacazette people, owners, have to be selling him, don't they? And so you're not thinking about selling Bellerin at this point. You're just going to bench him. <laughs> it's because um, because of the Harry Kane situation, which we can come on to uh, later on, I'm sure. Um, because of that situation, that's where the free transfers like to go this week. And if not, I will just kind of roll it until after the international breaks, probably to bring Kane back in regardless. I guess um, the other thing we've got to talk about in this game is um, Swansea and Abraham. He picked up an assist, didn't he? So he's now he got five points. But it seems like he, in the market forces, we noticed that he was about the second or the third most transferred in player this game week. So a lot of people seem to be jumping on the Abraham wagon. I'm not sure. <laughs> 
you know, maybe they're selling some of the more premium assets like Harry Kane and Jesus, you know. Yeah, um, that third striker slot very much going down to kind of a skeleton level with uh, with Abraham. Um, I mean, he doesn't look too bad, does he? And people making those combination moves to downgrade, you know, uh, we'll come on to Manchester City now, uh, Jesus uh, for him. Um, I, I don't know, like, with Jesus this week, no shots in that game. <laughs> He was my captain. That was really, really disappointing. Who, who did you have in that City game, Nick? Yeah, I had Jesus and I had um, Sterling as well. So obviously, yeah, both of the and, same players. And I also had um, oh, Otto, yeah. Mr. Otamendi, who was kind of like, like he was last week's hero, hero, but I guess he was the the villain. He was like the Freddy Krueger of the piece this <laughs> yeah. game week, uh, picking up a yellow card, and it was his mistake as well um, that gifted Matty Phillips that goal because he made some clumsy header in the box trying to pass back to Ederson. So that was a that was a bit of a disaster for him. He's actually now just one yellow card away from a suspension. So he's, he's on that suspension tightrope as well, oh, which, which I guess will put off um, future owners. So yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a rubbish game for me personally. Um, Jesus, he was another villain of the piece, wasn't he? Because of his... Uh, yeah. I mean, he was your captain. Yeah, I, I was you know very excited to see him start. And then the fact that he didn't seem to be involved in anything and in terms of his position map as well. He seems a bit further back um, this game. I, I don't know. He looks like he's kind of out of form, you know. And people are making points about, you know, maybe it's better to be looking at uh, Kaku and Kane rather than having uh, Jesus in your team because he's kind of, you know, he's not too likely to, to start every game with, with Kun Aguero and the wealth of options there. And I don't know, I'm beginning to think now it's time to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think the same. I mean, obviously Aguero didn't start this game and didn't play at all, actually, because he played the 120 minutes um, against Wolves. But I can see after that performance, Aguero is surely going to walk straight back into the first team for the uh, the fixture this weekend, the big fixture this weekend against Arsenal. But I, I don't know, I just, I'm very worried about Jesus and I'm, I think I'm going to have to sell him. But I, I think... It really depends on Harry Kane, and it have to be a Friday decision if I make a decision this time round because I got trolled by selling Lukaku early last game week. I broke the Austin rule, and I was punished for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure they'll be exercising the the devil Jesus in time, Jesus anytime soon. I think we'd have to see on that one. Um, Sana in the middle, um, so he's been involved in six goals and five assists in the last seven games. He's looking like the real deal there with Sterling. Uh, being used as a bench option for some reason now by Pep. Yeah, obviously Sane, he brought the points again. The first five game weeks, no one was really looking at him. He wasn't starting games. He wasn't getting too many minutes. Everyone thought, oh, he's not part of Pep's plan. He was more of a, you know, a rotation option. But Pep has started him every game in the last five and he's duly rewarded his manager with um, you know multiple goals and multiple assists and... I think I think the market's only really starting to catch up with him. He's the most transferred in player by Country Mile this game week. Yeah, he's a top scoring player as well now. Yeah, he's a he? top scoring player in the game. A lot of people seem to be making the sideways move over David Silva to Sane, actually. I think a lot of people now, after a few blanks in a row by David Silva, starting to ditch him and uh, have seen enough. And I'm looking at Sane, a similar price, and thinking this is actually the guy who's, who's bringing, um, bringing the goals, bringing the assists, bringing all the FPL points. But I just, I just can't make a sideways move. It's not for me, like especially when you're dealing with a manager like Pep. You just know that Sane would be dropped as soon as you bring him in. It's like, yep, he yeah. doesn't start this game week. Like, it's like what's happened with Sterling in the last couple of game weeks. 
Yeah, I expect that's going to happen. We'll definitely come on to City later. Uh, West Brom, there's not very much to say. I can't imagine there's that much ownership now. Maybe Foster's knocking around in a few teams. Well, Hagazzi still actually one of the highest owned players right, in the be, game. Must be, must be dead about twenty-three percent after the first couple of games where everyone was on the Hagazzi wagon. But I think yeah, interesting. West Brom's definitely uh, dropped off a little bit. I mean, they have a nice game against Huddersfield up next, but after that, it's Chelsea and Spurs. So they're their run of fixtures still is looking a little bit unpleasant. Obviously, um, we'll come on to Nyom a little bit later. Because yeah, he, uh, started, he, knocked, yeah. he knocked out his teammate Dawson. <laughs> um, so that'll, that'll be picked up in Nyom watch a little bit later. Yeah, but West Brom, I mean... Ugh. Two assists for Gareth Barry this game week summed up the game week for many, I believe. Uh, and another guy, my 4.5 hero from last season, Fletcher, scored for uh, Stoke City as they won against Watford, Nick. And you were pillorying them last week. <laughs> yeah, well, it's inevitable. Um, obviously, I also own Kevin Vimmer. So, you know, Vimmer watch, <laughs> as we say. Uh, he was sitting on my bench with a nice seven-point return, which... Uh, was probably my highest score this game week out of any player, so that was that was a bit of a mistake not to start him. But I just couldn't fit him in the team, and I I didn't think the Stoke would keep the clean sheet. Personally, I had you know ideas and dreams of Richarlison smashing it and getting huge returns, but unfortunately, because you brought him in, there's the, there's obviously the curse of Richarlison. <laughs> and I've got I've got some interesting numbers here actually, Tom. Yep. So um, the the weeks you haven't owned him, he scored four points, eleven points. 7 points, 10 points, 5 points and 5 points. So he's got at least a minimum of 4 every game week. But when you have owned him, he's got 3 points, 3 points, 2 points and 1 point. Oh, right. I'm, I'm so like a, a vampire you, for Richarlison's exactly. life. Sucking the points out yeah, of Yeah, you, ha- you really have. You really have destroyed him. Oh, it? So disappointing. He's, he's horrible got, curse. He has got Everton up next and he has been playing better away. But he was just so profligate in that game. Again, missing. he missed a really good chance in the second half, I think, set up by Carrillo. I'm glad I didn't captain him, uh, basically. He had three attempts in that game, two of which were big chances. And you've got to be expecting you know, a captaincy material player to be converting one of those big chances. Definitely. But, I mean, he's in our team anyway. They've got Everton up next. Everton have the second leakiest defence in the Premier League right now. They look absolutely terrible, despite all the investment into the team. I have no idea what's going on with Everton. But, you know, you'd like to hope that Richarlison can get a return out of them then they've got West Ham another another rubbish defence he's, he's going to make mincemeat of uh, Zabaleta yeah. and, and then Newcastle so you know they've got still got a run of three um, reasonable fixtures and you, we'd like to think that there's still going to be some returns coming up for him obviously the other thing I guess we've got to talk about is uh, Troy Deeney in this game yeah he tried to crush uh, Joe Allen's skull didn't he yeah I mean that was pretty like the game of pretty. yeah I think a lot of people made that um, comment on Twitter that was very similar to uh, Oberyn versus the Mountain, the Mountain versus the Viper. But I don't know. You, you saw like Troy Deeney is like his huge smile on his face as oh, he attempted he loved to it, crush, so, crush little Joe Allen. It was it was almost it was just horrendous incident. Very, it was very scary. It was like an like his kind of alter ego, like his two face came out and started kind of you know kind of the convict Deeney just popped out of this lovely public persona he's created over the last few years and, and you know on that note he's been replaced by Andre Gray another man who's cultivated a nicer public image of himself recently yeah I don't know. less said about Andre Gray and the better I think yeah exactly so at that level of striker I guess we can move on another tenuous segue Nick to, to Leicester Everton so 
Jamie Vardy, I guess the story was all about there. Eight points. Uh, are you convinced yet, Nick? He's uh, you know he's looking good. He's looking again. Puel he scores when the manager um, a manager comes in. He scores under each well, manager. You've been in the waiting game. for a Vardy party. You've been talking about a Vardy <laughs> party for five weeks now, and, and after five weeks, you finally got your party. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, obviously he was going to score at one point. And I did say to you before the game, I was like, Vardy's going to score. I know he's going to score because Everton are rubbish. And he did. He delivered. And he only got, you know, one one goal. Could have been more, I guess. Um, Damari, Gar- Damari Gray, he, um, he scored as well. He's someone we talked about um, pre-season. One of the uh, 5.5 midfield assets. Um, but obviously he didn't get much game time. But now hopefully with the new manager, he, he might be a potential... A very cheap midfield asset for us to look at. Yeah, down to 5.3. And I think the game does need that kind of uh, little bit of wiggle room, perhaps, with regards to all the players in that area. Um, he his goal wasn't it, it was initially given a known goal to John Joe Kenny I believe yeah so it, wasn't, it wasn't really a goal but it, apparently it was going in yeah it's still nice it's still nice to have and I think he's one under Puel I mean we might talk about this a bit later as well one under Puel who maybe developed so look think about Nathan Redmond playing at Southampton last year and uh, for Mares, uh he's assisted nine of Vardy's 11 goals in the last few matches uh, is he back? Well, they've definitely got a, a connection, but I think I don't know if you can say one assist makes him back. You know, he's he's been pretty poor for the last season and a half, and I think it's it's almost like that that one season was like a one season wonder for him. Of course, I'm slagging him off, which means he's going to get like a brace and an assist next week. But yeah, you know. but I mean, the highlight rules, the highlight rule from last season must be like a scary movie. So I, I guess that you know he's looking to get back from that and get himself back into the window. Uh, so we've talked about Mares and his assists. Um, another guy who's been pumping out the assists is uh, Pascal Gross, and I think a lot of people talk about his record at Ingolstadt in the Bundesliga, but. He's um he's performing week in week out in the Premier League as well for Brighton. He is so he got ninety nine chances created last season as we said in the prospects and the prospects for him top in the Bundesliga, which is more, uh, one more than Utsal did in the Premier League last season for Arsenal. He's created twenty three chances so far this season, which is only five less than Man City's David Silva. Um, and Mur- it looks like Murray's getting on the end of his chances as well. Seventy percent goal involvement for Brighton Gross. And he's looking like you know. Quite a canny acquisition for those who have brought him in, especially those who've had him in since he's 5.5. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Swansea up next. You can see more returns for him coming, and then it's, it's Stoke after that as well. So he's got a couple of decent fixtures up up and coming. I think he, he's definitely another option in the midfield. Maybe I made the wrong call, um, bringing in Richardson instead of Gross. But no, you know, you can't own every player. That's the problem. And, you know, it might be that he goes on a run of bad form. But, but looking unlikely, um, the old Warhorse scored again as well, didn't he, Glenn Murray? Exactly. He's probably not an option, is he, to be fair? I mean, Bryson looked like they're going to be defending more than they are attacking. But I guess you know, he, he's he's still an option, I guess. He doesn't excite me. He's not someone I'm going to spend the transfer on, I don't think, though. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the other thing we've got to talk about in this game is Southampton. Really disappointing they couldn't keep a clean sheet in this game. It's starting to look like people should be selling their Southampton assets. Maybe just give them one more week stay of execution for the Burnley game at home, which is their last decent fixture. Because after that, it's Liverpool, Everton, Manchester City. So I think I probably will personally sell Cedric and try and fund Jones. But, yeah. you know, I think it's it's the end, end game for Southampton, unfortunately, in their defence. Cedric hasn't offered... I know he's got great um, shots on target stats, but he hasn't offered anything offensively for me yet. 
either. So I think he's got to go. Yeah, could could it be a Liverpool player who comes in and they won three 0 against Huddersfield? It could Marino. Oh. Uh, could you ever consider Marino after oh, the last know. couple of seasons? Or maybe of... maybe James Milner. Oh, yeah, your <laughs> my, my pre my preseason hero. I mean, he did rock up with um, you know assists and bonus points and a clean sheet. So yeah, the he... omens are good. Yeah, the omens are good. Maybe I don't know. He's, he's a rotation risk. Is a is a truth. Um, I think on the right um, side of defence as well, Joe Gomez has a slight injury. There's um, the threat of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, Nathaniel Klein at some point. So I'm probably not looking at the, the full-backs of the poor, the defence yeah. in general. Certainly not looking at Dejan Lovren, even though they kept a clean sheet. You it's know. a Ragnar Klavan at 4.3 who could be uh, attracting some interest at the ultra-ultra bargain basement. But I think the key talking point from that game, Nick, is this is your second time that your captain has missed the penalty Oh, I was absolutely <laughs> devastated. I just couldn't believe it. I think that's another... Right, I say it's a 12-point swing, but it could have been an 18-point swing because he might have picked up three bonus points mm. on the back of it because he got... I mean, he got a last-minute assist, I guess, uh, which sort of placated me slightly, but he was certainly... For me, personally, he was the devil of the game week, and he was the reason that I, um, I ended up with red on me because um, otherwise it would have been a green arrow if he scored. Yeah, exactly. I think next week he's got West Ham away, so that could be one where I'd be considering captaining him again. Um, but yeah, I can imagine you've been a bit burnt by him. I mean, I saw that penalty miss and really felt for you, basically, because I knew that had been the second time he had Kaku, I think, back in game week four. Yeah, so Lukaku missed a penalty for me when he was my captain earlier in the season as well. And I think Klopp said after the game that um, Salah's possibly not on penalties anymore either. Yeah. So he's, he's, I mean, maybe maybe that's a good thing because I don't think I could deal with the pressure of him lining up to take another penalty. Exactly. I mean, there are fixtures. Uh, I just mentioned they got West Ham, they got Southampton, then Chelsea, Stoke, and Brighton. The other guy, uh, Firmino, he's back. He scored. Um, I, I just don't know whether we're going to be able to ever trust him again, though. Yeah, possibly not. I mean, he went on such a run of not scoring. I'm surprised if there are any Firmino owners still out there. He actually um, didn't even start in the number nine position um, this yeah, game week because uh, Sturridge, Sturridge played up front. And um, I saw actually um, that Lalana and Mane and Coutinho are all coming closer to fitness. So once all those guys are back, and it might be a week or two, possibly after the international break, I'm start. I'm going to have to worry about the likes of Salah and Firmino um, for starts because Salah was being rotated a lot actually at the beginning of the season, but because of the injuries to um, some of the other players like Mane and Coutinho, he's been playing every game but I think once those guys are all back I think we might see some more rotation risk with Liverpool as well yeah maybe uh, it's just one to keep an eye on I think I'm certainly keeping Salado and I'm guessing you are too yeah definitely he's definitely not on the chopping block this week with the West Ham away fixture I'm actually possibly going to captain him yeah me too I'm thinking that. I mean let's, let's move on to West Ham now so from I guess from and Palace too so from Salah to Zaha <laughs> Zaha's back uh, he's again showing that he can take the chances, perhaps a bit more than Richarlison can. Yeah, I mean, he was top for the um, shots out of the game. We have all players with six shots in total. Uh, yeah, I mean, that game was ridiculous. Uh, Antonio had an absolute horror show at the end of the game. I mean, I don't know what he was doing. He should have just kept it in the corner. But instead, he tried to cross it. I noticed like Lanzini, Ayu and Chikorito all ran forwards to try and get on the end of the cross, but it was cleared. And then as soon as it was cleared, all, everyone was just sauntering back. There was no, 
they're no worries in them. They were thinking, don't worry, um, Zabaleta can use his pace to, to you know, yeah. take the ball off Zaha. But no, nope, uh, uh, shambling around, <laughs> looking zombie-esque. But I was, I was just absolutely free. I couldn't believe I got this last-minute Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, assist, which was just like after such a horrendous day for me. I was just like, you know, that that's a one redeeming factor perhaps yeah I mean uh, Crystal Palace they've got Tottenham and Everton but Stoke, Brighton and West Brom 13-15 to 15, those three games are quite good and they've got quite a decent run actually over Christmas so it might be the Zahara comes in as, an, as a kind of option in that particular well, area yeah definitely I mean he's sort of playing out of position as well isn't he because obviously Benteke's out so um, Palace have kind of got some weird formation with uh, T- uh, Townsend and Zaha up front yeah. so uh, yeah I can definitely see more returns for Zaha he's definitely I think he would be a differential pick at this moment in time yeah it could be quite good the other side of it is West Ham their defence is absolutely decimated I think they've got three senior fullback, uh, centre-backs who are out next week um, Chikorito did take a chance assisted by uh, Craig well, who had been pumping in the crosses and Chikorito's records I just want to say I sort of stat this week my cool fact of the week he's scored 41 goals in the Premier League they've all been scored in the box uh, which is equal to John Terry and only one man Tim Cahill has more with 56 it's pretty impressive stat actually but I think that kind of almost shows his limitations as a forward as well like he can only really score inside the box he kind of just he's more of a poacher and he needs service from the likes of Antonio but maybe he won't get that sort of service at West Ham that he was using to get him when he played for Manchester United and uh, by Leverkusen. Uh, anyway, let's just move on to the uh, the last game this game week, which is Burnley Newcastle. One 0 to Burnley. Uh, Hendricks goal, not the tonic for me because I had a uh, had Elliot and I, it looked like on the fence it was fix. I had a green arrow before that goal went in, as I said earlier. Uh, how did you feel? Uh, were you okay with that? I mean, yeah. Uh... Obviously, I was hoping for the nil-nil, but I'll take nine points for my two players in the game. Elliot managed to get his save point before he conceded, which was nice. Um, Ward got six points. I would have, you know, I would like a bonus point here and there, but you know, unfortunately, all three went to Lowton. Um, and me as well got a couple, and, and Pope as well. Pope was sort of Bernie's hero, his saviour perhaps, because um, I think he, he saved quite a few uh, shots, didn't he, from, from Newcastle? Yeah, he's looking very good. I think he's got more saves per game than Heaton did last season, so that's looking quite good at 4.5. Yeah, definitely an option. I think Burnley defence um, altogether is um, very impressive. They've got one of the best defences in in the Premier League, like I said earlier, they've conceded less than um, the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool. Very impressive. I think um, Steve Ward, he's still an option, I think, for people at 4.7. He's now on 50 points, which is only um, eight less than Phil Jones, nine less than uh, Valencia, who's the top scoring defender at this moment in time. Their fixtures are, you know, they've got Southampton up next and Swansea. So, you know, they've got a couple of reasonable fixtures up, up and coming. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we'd still say, um, look at the burning defence. Yeah, that's decent. And then finally, uh, looking at the other side of it, Newcastle, uh, Elliot, I think that's just going to be a hygiene factor. Many are going to have him in and play him every week. And uh, I've got Matt Ritchie, not too sure about him. Um, he got taken off in the 80th minute when they needed a, a game changer. And I'd be hoping, you know, he looked quite advanced actually during the game. But I'd be hoping that he'd be kept on to kind of get those points. I'm hoping that he hasn't lost Rafa's trust. I think he's he's still one of their best players, isn't he? So I think he'll be um, playing yeah. week in, week out. Born for home. He's I hope he yeah. can get a return against them. 
So yeah, I mean, hang on to um, Richie. Um, you've still got Mbemba uh, stinking up your uh, bench. Suppose he's not playing because he's, his English isn't up to scratch. Is um, the latest rumor? Yeah. So I, and then let's hope that there's some injuries or something so uh, that ghost train can get back onto the tracks. Uh, anyway, let's. Uh, I think that's the recap done. Let's move on to the features after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and we're going to start with uh, market forces this time round, and I guess. Uncertainty is the is the buzzword with um you know Harry Kane um for instance he's he's been bought and he's the fourth most purchased player right now with over forty thousand transfers in but he's also the second most sold player at the moment with fifty four transfers out so I think in the terms of the market no one really seems to know who to buy who to sell and his similar stats with Sergio Aguero as well lots of people purchasing him but a lot of people selling him as well because of the fact that he didn't start at the at the weekend so I think just in especially up front no one seems to have an idea what's going on and who the best players to own are but I think um, one player that is, I think we referred to earlier in the pod and that's um, Leroy Sane and he, he's definitely attracting a lot of activity at the moment he's now at over 160,000 net transfers in so Sane after I think we said like you know a, a, a okay first five game weeks but not where he was getting a lot of game time. He's now firmly in Pep's thoughts, scoring and assisting every game week and just generally smashing it. And I think the man who's being sold is, is David Silva. So Sane costs 8.7. He's risen in value already. And Silva's now 8.5. He's fallen in value. So at one point, they were 8.6 each. So I think that you had to act fast if you were going to make that sideways move. And that's probably why we're seeing a lot of activity um, with... David Silva already having sixty seven thousand nets transfers out. Yeah, I mean, so what was that? One one return in the last four. Um, whereas before that, he he was pretty much returning uh, every week. Uh, I think you can understand why people are making that move, even though perhaps we wouldn't advise it, uh, especially with City being like they are and the rotations always being a threat. With Pep. yeah, especially before the um, the Champions League game as well, because I mean we said it in one of the pods that you know after the Champions League match you have an idea of who's going to start the week. But we were completely wrong that time. I think with the likes of Raheem Sterling coming yeah, off early, exactly. but they're not starting. But still, I think you'll have an idea as to you know who's performing, who's fit, who who played the most minutes, and you could and give you a, a slight insight into Pep's yeah, exactly. maniacal you know <laughs> mind. But uh, exactly with all of this kind of continued interest in City players, I mean there are going to be. Uh, every now and again a nightmare on FPL Street where we just see you know, widely owned players like Sana with those uh, 100, over 150,000 transfers in those kind of managers are going to be like oh no Pep's decided to back, like, now bench him and play Sterling yeah. it's going to keep happening it's going to be a self-perpetuating cycle isn't it definitely yeah. and I think um, Mkhitaryan and Coutinho they're fifth and sixth in terms of net transfers at the moment because they've had um, 50,000 net transfers out for Mkhitaryan 45,000 net transfers out for Coutinho at the time of recording. So I think these are also, these guys are also being sold for David Silva. I think Mkhitaryan, it's no surprise that he's he's, um, he's being sold. He's failed to register in five consecutive game weeks now. I think he just looks incredibly short of confidence. Um, and same with Coutinho. Coutinho's injured. Obviously, he's been performing quite well, but he's ruled out at the moment. Doesn't look like he's going to start the weekend. So, uh, no, this surprise people getting rid there. Yeah, and people um, who are selling those guys. Some of the people are looking at gross. So, uh, thirty-one thousand people have brought in the, the Bryson assister, and it's uh, you know looking like he's beginning to be one of those players who's creeping up ownership and uh, looks to be providing value at five point eight. 
Yeah, I mean, that's quite a lot of people. He's definitely creeping up with ownership right now. Fernandinho as well, attracting lots of owners this oh, week. Dear. Obviously, he got a goal and assist, outscored his teammate Leroy Sane, putting him to two goals, two assists this season. But I think this personally, for me, is madness to bring in Fernandinho. He's only 5.1, so he's, he's good value, which maybe people are attracted by. But he takes up one of those very important Manchester City slots. And if you've got Fernandinho stinking out your bench, you can only get two other Manchester City players in your, in your first team. So he's, he's not really someone we we would recommend. Yeah, you know, I don't think we ever recommend bringing a defence midfielder, even though it does make sense of 5.0. But you probably want a 4.5 though. I mean, with Fernandinho, he, his involvement is going to be like apple bobbing. Like he, every now and again, he's going to get something, but most of the time, you know, it's going to be a blank, I reckon. Exactly. And I think the likes of Ruben Loftus Cheek at 4.5 offer better value for your, um, your, your bench at this moment in time yeah I think the man to mention before we move into the anti-meta team is Jamie Vardy um, you know I always want to talk about Ratface at 18,000 owners in off the back of his goal and you know it, he uh, he's looking like a potential third striker option now if you've got um, your two kind of hard men yeah, definitely. I mean, he is definitely a first striker in a time of crisis for the premium assets with the likes of Jesus and Lacazette all being sold. Confusion revolving around Harry Kane, Morata and uh, Kun Aguero and, and Lukaku having a tough fixture as well. It's no surprise that people are being attracted to Jamie Vardy. But there's also, I suppose, Tammy Abraham. He's, a, he's the second most transferring player at the moment with um, you know 60,000 nets transfers in. He's, he's doing very well. You know, I think he's at 5.8. doesn't surprise me. And, of course, um, the last, one last person to talk about is uh, Phil Jones. Here's Josie, you know, uh, <laughs> scaring the kids. But, um, you know, just bringing in the FPL points. And 5.3 for a defender who's nailed on for Manchester United. Multiple clean sheets. What's not to love? He's had over 60,000 net transfers in as well. So, um Let's just talk about. The, I think it's time for the anti-meta team, isn't it, Tom? Yep. So um, you talked about Jamie Vardy, and he was he was the captain. So the anti-meta team had a bit of a Vardy party, didn't they, this game week? Yeah, fifty-four points. Uh, Jamie Vardy uh, returned sixteen. Firmino at front up front as well with eight points. Other notable contributors are um, Matty Valencia and Maguire at the back who uh, got clean sheets, and as well uh, Anthony Martial midfield with six. This group of ragtag anti-metas uh, in the top two hundred thousand still. Another green arrow. Yeah, I think they've overtaken me again, unfortunately, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, good week for the anti-metas. Um, very good returns. I don't know what we're going to to do with them. You know, um, is is Vardy too meta to to, um, to remain in the anti-meta team? Do you think? I don't know. Um, I, th- I think we'll have to just keep an eye on his uh, on his ownership as it continues the, to grow. The squad value is not very good, is it? It's no. ninety nine point eight. We've been very anti-meta. <laughs> <laughs> taking the price falls and avoiding the rises, unfortunately. But, yeah, we'll have to see what we do about him. They've got quite um, a weakened front line as well. So but, um, we'll have to see. Well, I'll update you as that goes on. And uh, finally this week, one man who uh, <coughs> was on the... Uh, did start the anti-metas, Alan Yom. Uh, this is obviously normal. So, uh, Alan, uh, he was spotted playing football this week, Nick. He had 35 touches of the ball in the game against Manchester City. Uh, in 90 minutes so that's 0.38 touches per minute oh boy he had one cross it was successful throughout 90 minutes of football Allen had 22 passes Nick 11 were successful Uh, which is a 50% pass uh, completion rate he was mentioned in dispatches 
but once. In the 47th minute, it was almost an assist for Kuchawiak, uh, who failed to convert a lofted right-wing cross from Alan Nyom. Uh, that's Nyom watch, so that's definitely worth 5 points here, I think. Yeah, and I think we've got to give um, a shout-out to Chris Betteridge as well, who um, showed us a hilarious video, which we failed to mention last um, week, where they see Nyom in the lead-up to uh, Buffal's beautiful goal. Nyom, like failed to tackle him then just like collided and clattered into Dawson just you know injuring him in the process and now Dawson's out for a few months which actually means that Nyom is now back in the team and we're going to have a a regular Nyom watch feature so maybe it was all on purpose I don't know what the grand scheme of things is with Alan Nyom but who knows if if you see him about let us know if you if you see him you know down your local Asda just um, (laughs) give us a hashtag tweet hashtag Nyom watch and thanks very much for everybody who contributed and let us know that Alan was starting this week. All right, Nick, let's take a break and move on to the expanded community section this week. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's, it's time for the uh, community section. And we're going to start having a quick look at the uh, who got the assist mini league. Um, there's not there's not too many changes. I think Alfred Jinxes has um, entered into the top 10 now. Sasa Saksimic, so um, well done, Sasa. Uh, but top of the league is, is still Ben Sutton with the Terabads, which is an ominous name, but he's, he's still smashing it. 52 points this game week, um, which is another green arrow for him. Six, 643 points overall, which gives him an overall rank of 672, which is very impressive, Ben. So uh, congratulations for topping the Who Got the Assist Mini League. That's it. And there's a few other people. Uh, you know, Gavin Doyle, who uh, gave us a thanks this week for all the advice we've been giving him. Oh, God, at least, at least we're helping somebody, if not uh, if not ourselves, Nick. Uh, Lacazette out of hell. He's now up to fifth. Uh, took a minus eight hit this week, but 67 points. Very well done there. Um, so moving on to a few kind of shout-outs before we get into the questions. The first one to give a shout-out to is, uh, in terms of last week, Varun, uh, Varunesque on Twitter. So he's been mentioning captaining Vardy all week and stats about him scoring after every new manager. You know, stuck by his conviction, Captain Vardy, and got rewarded uh, on Sunday. I'm guessing he was having a whale at the time there. On the other side of things, uh, the free hit this week, a few people got absolutely trolled by that. Uh, Neil Gutter is a good example here. A good story worth mentioning. So he pulled his free hit. Out went Kalasinac, Kaku and Sterling. In came the likes of Sanchez, Lacazette, Jesus, uh, you know, John Stones... Uh, um, thir- oh, yeah. 30 point swing I think it was from from not uh, from not sticking uh, uh, with his yeah, original team he was tempted to scream when he saw the uh, Kalasnach goal go in and the assist yeah well. he can't have been too happy with that Will at Fans Football Hub they're doing some good work definitely check them out on Twitter and uh, on their website and the final shout out this week is to uh, Andy Goodland who got the uh, Oasis theme last week obviously um, this week has a scarily obvious theme but hopefully you've enjoyed us uh, massacring a lot of these puns and putting them into our podcast. <laughs> so let's uh, sink our teeth into community questions then, Nick. Yeah, and thanks for all the questions, guys. Um, we've had loads in again, and apologies if we've missed your question. We'll, we'll try to get through as many as possible. Um, so I think the first question revolved around premium defenders, and um, FPL Connect asked us, uh, should we hold Alonso slash Davis with fixture softening? And FPL Chelsea asked if we should... Old so I guess this is more like the attacking wingbacks, isn't it? Yeah, in, in some ways, you know, Alonso is one of those, but they've got such good fixtures after Liverpool game in game week 13, that if you've lost 0.1 him now, you've got to hope those fixtures are good enough. Unless you, if you don't have fires to put out, which I'm assuming most Alonso owners do, and um, that's why he's in a lot of teams, keep hold of him. 
but I wouldn't be looking at bringing him in for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those players which you wouldn't buy at this moment in time, but you wouldn't necessarily sell. I was thinking about getting rid of him, but I think I've got some more pressing issues to sort out with my team. In terms of Ben Davis, I guess he, he's, he's back now, and they've got a great fixture against Crystal Palace at home, so I certainly wouldn't be selling him this game week. I'd be holding him and hoping that he starts, but there is that rotation risk now with um, Danny Rose... Um, and also, uh, Oreo played yeah, Aurea um, can play there as, back well, as yeah. well, so there is a risk that he will not start. So I think you have to you have to be concerned there. But I think with Spurs, the fixtures are still very good. Crystal Palace at home, then Arsenal away, then West Brom, Leicester, Watford. So they've still they've got quite a decent run of fixtures coming up. Yeah, it's quite good all the uh, way till Christmas with, with him. As you, as you said a minute ago, the problem is going to be rotation. If there is Danny Rose there, and if Aurea apparently can play left back as well, I'd be wondering whether it's worth having five point. Seven, I think it is now invested in a player who's gonna who might be on the bench some weeks. Yeah, I think the rotation is a concern, but I think with Kolasinac as well, he's, he's got a slight knock, so I think you've got to wait for the press conference, see what Wenger says. But Manchester City Spurs up next. That's that's two really poor games um, up and coming. So he had a good game week, but he's got a dodgy run ahead. After that, it's Burnley and Huddersfield. So if you can make it through those two, keep him. But he, he's probably too expensive to have lurking around on the bench. For, those two games yeah maybe I'd say hold but don't buy class snatch if he's got that kind of 14 pointer in his locker as we said earlier he's looking like Alonso did last year to some extent then by all means keep hold of him but I, I certainly wouldn't be um, saying buy him and if you are benching him this week then maybe but I'm benching Bellerin for example so maybe think about his long term prospects in your team um, I mean I'm removing Bellerin to segue on to the, the second question for probably a Burnley defender and uh, FPL Fly and Varen uh, who mentioned earlier um, both asked kind of about the Burnley defence so Fly asks you know is it better to is, am I better off with me or Gomez and Varon asks whether it's time for the double up with the Burnley defence uh, what, what do you think Nick? Well personally for me I would pick a Burnley defender over a Liverpool defender I think with the likes of Gomez there's the risk of rotation I mean Liverpool fixtures are decent but their defence has just been horrendous Liverpool have conceded 16 goals whilst Burnley have only conceded 9 the likes of Ben Mee is nailed on. He's, he's putting in very strong performances week in, week out. He's very impressive. Nick Pope um, is proving himself um, as a goalkeeper in the Premier League, doing very well. So, personally for me, I think it'd be ben, Bernie defenders. I, I don't know about the double up. I think that's um, that might be too much for me, for my taste. Um, Southampton, Swansea is potential for clean sheets. It's Arsenal after that. You know, like Burnley aren't going to keep a clean sheet every game week um, their manager Daishi um, has been linked with the Everton job so if he goes I think we'll be able, have to start worrying about them a little bit because he's obviously a very good manager yeah I think that that'll probably be it for them but yeah Burnley defender I think uh, is going to happen for me they rotate pretty well with uh, with Swansea I've got Norton um, so yeah and plus that the extent to which the community was hoping for that Burnley clean sheet kind of shows that yeah it might be an automatic red arrow for me if Burnley do get a clean sheet a bit like when uh, Phil Jones who we should come on to now uh, kept a clean sheet so um, Nicholas Watson and Craig Johnson on Facebook um, ask about kind of this, this centre-backs dynamic Nicholas Watson asks is it time to get Jones in and Craig Johnson asks is it time to ditch the wing backs for the centre backs now I think that's a very good question and I think there is certainly a trend at the moment I think last week it was Nicholas Otamendi that everyone was bringing in and avoiding you know ditching the wing backs but I, th- I still think the wing backs 
offer a lot of attacking potential and all it will take we saw it from Kolasinac just where you can all it will take will, will be a goal from Alonso an assist from Ben Davis and, and you know it will change again and everyone will be talking about oh we need those defenders get the um, the dual um, you know attacking returns and the uh, defensive returns but I think it depends on the, on the sense about Phil Jones I think he definitely should be brought in. Maybe not this game week, but after after the Chelsea game, it's Newcastle, Brighton, Watford up next for Manchester United. I'm thinking about bringing Phil Jones in, and I think um, all managers should be at this point. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that at the moment the the meta is shifting towards a more expensive front line. The midfield's reasserting itself. You know, you've got Mo Salah, you've got Eden Hazard yeah, coming Hazard through. Sure, yeah. um, we've got Coutinho and Mane who might be coming back quite soon. You know, there's going to be a, a range of options. Ericsson, Ali, of Ericsson, course. Ericsson, yeah. Um, I mean, you've got a range of options who are now coming back into play. Is it going to be the case that we're going to want to be spending all that money in defence at the moment? But the, the wing-backs haven't been uh, really producing the last few weeks. Class snatch may be the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Obviously, Valencia has been producing, but not really because it's sort of Phil Jones is matching him in terms of uh, points at the moment. Exactly. I think only one behind. So. Exactly. You've got, you've got Carl Walker as well getting involved in the attack at Man City at 6.6. But so, but so is Otamendi. I mean, Otamendi's scoring scored twice. So if you get a centre back in that seems to get forward for the corners, there's still that potential for attacking returns. Yeah, exactly. But I, 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 part of me prefers Ben Mee actually to uh, investing in Pep's defence. And Otamendi, as you said, is on that suspension tightrope. Quite a combative player, and uh, his pace is just it's, you know he got torn apart by Salah. And he just lunges in. You're more likely to disappear with one point each each game week than disappear with the 15 points that you got. Because I, I just feel like he he's going to be one of those who, you know. I still think Manchester City will keep lots of clean sheets. I think they've got one. They've got the second best defense in the Premier League at the moment. They've only conceded six all season, so I think that you're still going to see lots of um, clean sheets coming from Manchester City. So if you've got the likes of Otamendi hold, maybe worry about the um, the suspension tightrope. But I still say you know he's he's a very good value um, asset to have at this moment in time cool um, and I think the final kind of question around this is uh, Stephen Toomey who asked about 4-5-1 um, we just mentioned that maybe it's mo- the money's moving into midfield and that's the extreme case of it is that a viable strategy going forward do you think uh, possibly not I wouldn't recommend <laughs> the 4-5-1 I think it's, it's obviously the premium forwards didn't have a great week um, I think you know obviously we saw five points from Lukaku and Maratta but blanks from the likes of Jesus and um and Kane and Lacazette can you know didn't start as well, so I think um, it was a bad week for them. But I think they'll they'll come back fighting next game week. Um, I think maybe if you're thinking about you know reinvesting some of your forward money into uh, midfield, then maybe look at the likes of Tammy Abraham or um, Vardy as a cheaper alternative. But I think one striker is limiting your options. And are you recommending Vardy, Nick? Ratface, um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big, big climb down there so moving on to the, to kind of how you're doing as a manager and you'll get to the unfortunate soul we just mentioned uh, damned to all eternity for having that poor free hit chip uh, he asked what do you do if you're miles off the pace well I mean there's, there's one option it's take lots of hits but I think the problem with hits and I took a hit this week minus four is and you're always chasing those extra four points and I almost think that those four points was probably the difference between a, a green arrow and a red arrow for me in the end because I scored just below you know a couple of points below the average but I got a red arrow and if I got those four points to be above the average so hits is an option but I think you know if you take too many hits you can get caught out the other option I guess is going for differentials and you you tried to get a differential in going for Bellerin over Kolasinac yeah that's it and also I think 
on game weeks like last week, you know, I thought that everybody would be on Salah, so I went on Jesus and got unlucky. This week coming up, I mean, if you don't, if Kane isn't um, isn't fit, then it throws open the ring in terms of differential captains, perhaps. And you've got Salah away at West Ham, you've got Richarlison away away at Everton. All these sorts of calls. I mean, you just need a, a game week when you're not going to fall behind too far. When every kind of captain is looking like a calculated punt and taking that go. I mean, there's the free hit as well, but I recommend remaining patient with these things. And the next question is um, revolving around transfer madness. And, and Takar and Mr. Walker Peters have asked us about the transfer market and when will people learn to not make the early transfers and is it impacting long-term planning? And I guess I fell victim to this a little bit because I sold Lukaku early um, to bring in Morata because I wanted to catch the Morata price rise. And I thought that Lukaku was falling, but of course there's, um, there's been a little bit of a controversy revolving around that and FPL rule changes in terms of um, certain high, highly owned assets not dropping in value, which is um, it's quite a controversy. It's an um, interesting hot topic on Fantasy Football Scout revolving around it if, you, if you're interested in further information on it. But um, yeah, I guess it is impacting long-term planning a little bit because if I hadn't made the early transfer, I would have possibly sold Harry Kane and kept Lukaku, and I wouldn't have necessarily um, had to make that hit that I did in the end. Um, it definitely is pushing people because you know it's a very availability heuristic. You see the players rising, you see the players got good fixture, you see the player has done all right over the last couple of game weeks, and think, well, these f- factors are all aligning. I've got to bring him in. Um, and it's definitely messing pe- messing with people's plans. I mean, there's nothing worse than being 0.1 off. Uh, the the transfer you want to make, that perfect cash bias, definitely does drive people to act, I think. So the next question is, caution, fixture congestion from FPL uh, Virgin. Um, there's extreme fixture congestion coming up. He's looking to the future, game weeks 13 to 22. And what is our advice, Tom? Well, I think that our advice is to try to get 15 men in your team. I think this is probably one of the only times I'm ever been, I've ever been, i ever seriously considering having that. Um, I think maybe Elliot is going to be safe, so maybe it'll be 14 plus, you know, crawl on the bench or wherever I've got. Um, but in Bemba, I need to try to find some time to devote a transfer to get rid of him and upgrade him to 4.5, who's going to play. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Um, yeah, on my wild card, I was tempted by the uh, the four point zeros that were on offer, but I, I wasn't really tempted because none of them were actually starting. Um, so I ended up going for Vimmer, which was um, a four point four option. So I've got fifteen players that play um, week in week out. Um, well, obviously the likes of Sterling has been rotated a little bit, but when Sterling um, is dropped, I've got Ruben Loftus Cheek coming off the bench or Tom Carroll coming yeah, off the bench. And it. when they've come off the bench for me, they've um, they returned points actually in recent weeks. So I guess I guess you know during the extreme fixture congestion we're going to see rotation we're going to see um, potentially the likes of Mo Salah not playing but you've got to sometimes you've got to look as well at the key men from some of those smaller clubs who's going to play week in week out an example from last season would have been Gilfie Sigurdsson we always knew he was always going to play every game for Swansea so he was a great player to own during those fixture congestion because that was also a club that didn't have Europe um, yeah, didn't have yeah, exactly. I mean, League, exactly. I mean, around this period, you've got to look at the fixtures too. I mean, there's a cl- an example is Crystal Palace have a great fixtures. Looking at someone you know like Scott Dan or Wilfred Zaha, who's probably never going to be rotated because how much that club relies on those players. Um, I think the other thing with this is to make sure you pay a little bit of extra attention to your team. And what I mean by that, and we've already seen this happen a few times, is have your vice captain actually set 
like really think about it and actually put a, a vice captain consciously on somebody rather than just leaving it and assuming your captain's going to play and also your bench order as well making sure you've got that right I mean or, or at least you've paid some thought to it because the last thing you want is you know have a member as your first sub because you haven't really paid attention he gets one point but you've got like some Vimmer you know second sub or third sub with seven points if you've got someone who unexpectedly doesn't play you want to make sure that you're, you're maximising your potential to get points over the bench I guess um, linked to this um is specifically about Manchester City and their rotation nightmare. So they've got absolutely fantastic fixtures. But Siddhartha Pasani and Second Season Syndrome um, asked, what's the deal with City? Uh, what are we going to do with them during this period, especially with the rotation heightening the, the uncertainty? Yeah, and I wonder how long Raheem Sterling can stay in my side. Because I think you said to me, actually, um, as soon as he wasn't picked and he wasn't in the starting eleven. You said, right, that's it, he's gone from my team, I'm bringing in Christian Eriksen, you know, figure out how to get rid of Sterling. But then he came off the bench, he scored, so now you're thinking maybe you'll hold on to him. But I don't know how long we can go through this sort of like pain of week in, week out, of whether like the likes of Sterling or Jesus um, are going to start. So I'm possibly, I'm possibly going to have to start thinking about getting rid of the Manchester City um, attacking assets I've got. But it's quite interesting, actually, in terms of Pep's rotation plan so far. Because David Silva and KDB, they seem to start every week. So maybe maybe one of those guys is, is the one to own during this um, fixture congestion when um, the likes of Bernardo Silva are still going to be knocking on the door, getting a few extra minutes. I think Pep's started to look at the youth team as well, so he's going to start bringing a few of them out as yeah, well. Phil Foden looked very good in the under-70s World Cup. I mean, the thing is, you're always going to have to accept that Pep's the evil clown of FPL, isn't he? I mean, he's always going to troll you every now and again. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to minimise exposure to Man City to some extent, even though they're doing so well, even though having a triple-up probably a good idea given the stats. Um, you're still basically playing with you know a third of your budget, potentially, up to a third if you have three um, attackers, potentially not playing. Um, you know, 20 million um, with Jesus and uh, Sterling not showing up and not doing anything two weeks ago really hurt. Um, and, and, you know, that mean, that can be different in a 70-point game week and a 40-point game week, whereas others who have the right uh, the right chip in Pep Roulette do well. Yeah, and I guess the next question is about um, the next game week. And, and just outside playoffs on Reddit has asked us, with lots of teams playing each other, what's the best way to cope with that low-scoring defence scenario? Um, so I've got Jones and I've got Alonso playing each other next week. I've also got uh, Bellerin, who's going to be on my bench, um, because we've I've got Jesus and Sterling playing Arsenal. Mm. Uh, it's just one of those really horrible game weeks where you've you've got the, a lot of your kind of key assets up against each other, and you, that that automatically limits the points that you're going to get. And um, coping strategy, I think, is just to ride it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's going to be um, you know the best games are all on the Sunday. I looked at the three o'clock kickoffs on the Saturday, and it's, it's just you know it's all. It's dross. So it will be. It will be about the Sunday next uh, next weekend, and I think you just you just got to ride it, see what happens. I think we both talked about possibly rolling our transfers as well. So maybe it's a, a good game week to just say, okay, this this game is a horrendous one. It's, it's going to be a horror show. Just write it off and and see what happens and move on. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do have game weeks like this where you just look at it and you think, oh yeah, that's a forty pointer, I suppose. Uh, but think about it. Like the fact is, these players are owned by so many people. Um, so I guess you've got you've got to, as you said, accept these these weeks, roll the transfer, and just, and just kind of think, well, if I get that one player who does well, 
then I'm probably going to be okay. It's, it's very much luck of the draw. Uh, moving on to, I just mentioned Lukaku, moving on to United. So Alex Quintella, uh, thanks very much for the voice message, mate. All the way from Orlando, it's very, very cool to hear from him. He asked us, in the context of there being so much fuss about the City midfield, and you know, Sterling, Sane and Silva and all the rotation, why hasn't there been much focus on uh, on United? Uh, you know, with Rashford and uh, Martial and maybe Matter as well, figuring that. Um, what do you think, Nick? Why, why have we been so kind of focused on, on Man City? Well, I guess it's to do with the scorelines that we've seen and Manchester City. And it all kind of stemmed from that Stoke game where the Manchester City boys all scored seven goals in, in total. And it's just Pep's philosophy compared to Jose Mourinho. And I think I think we're put off as um, FPL managers by Mourinho's negativity and a little bit and the way he approaches the big games in terms of parking the bus. But, you know, the likes of Rashford has been very impressive and Martial, when he's got game time, has been impressive as well. So, you know, maybe after this Chelsea game, we should perhaps be looking at a couple of these guys. They're quite cheap. In fact, I think you mentioned earlier that Martial was only about 8.0. Rashford started the season around 7.5 as well. So, you know, they're, they're, they're very good value in terms of the attacking threat they offer when they are on the pitch. So, you know, maybe we should be having a little bit of a look. And I think Rashford's definitely been getting a lot of game time as well, hasn't he? That's it. And then after Chelsea, as, as you mentioned earlier, Newcastle, Bryson and Watford, uh, that's going to bring United right back into contention. I'm considering, uh, but I'm almost definitely going to bring Lukaku back in after the international break for those fixtures. I mean, he's not done very well. He has been returning in the last few game weeks. Um, but Newcastle and Brighton at home, those are two fixtures which scream flat track bully Lukaku brace in both of those games and you know it's too frightening to think about not owning Lukaku in that small period after the international break um, so yeah I, th- I think that'll be the time when United again come back into favour Thank you Tom and um, the next question is from Matt at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Hi Matt um, he's asked us with a Vardy goal and Mara's assist what about Leicester can they repeat the feats of two years ago as does um, Lewis Jones on FP, uh, Facebook, who's asked us if uh, Puel's appointment means it's time to have a... Mike's junior or a defender in the slides. And uh, Lucy Hynett uh, zooms in on one of the possibilities. He spoke about Gray already. Uh, so Leicester, Nick. I mean, I, I've got Jamie Vardy. I'm kind of... I'm looking at him as a fire and forget. As we've said, the fixtures don't look that great. Uh, but Puel looks like a manager who's going to come in and maybe uh, maybe keep things tight. Uh, maybe give uh, players like Gray a platform he... Uh, I think he developed uh, Nathan Redmond fairly well in Southampton. He's gave him a lot of chances. He could be, you know, someone who brings in Demare Gray. It looks like he's he's quite an exciting asset to own. Definitely, and I think Demare Gray deserves a bit more game time than what he offered. He they they were like, he was trying to get a move actually in the summer because he was trying to push for a move, saying I'm going to leave if I don't get more game time. But Leicester refused to sell him, and then they promptly decided not to pay him at all, which I thought was slightly harsh because he's definitely an up and coming young English prospect with, who offers a lot of um, potential, yeah. and I, I think he he could be a very good player. I mean, it might be a little bit too soon for him in terms of his development, I would suggest. You know, like, he's good value at 5.3, but he's not going to, at this moment in time, offer you attacking returns week in, week out. No, and um, then I think with Leicester in general, they're kind of nice differentials. And you've got to remember with Puel, I mean, last season Southampton, I think uh, I think they got seven or eight, uh, seven or eight clean sheets. Um, but their main problem was scoring, so uh, that is kind of a bit of a problem for me in terms of Vardy. And maybe it's the case that you know Southampton strikers last season just won up to the job. I mean, Okasaki's been doing quite well as well, but he's been rotated a fair bit. There's also Slimani and Ianacho lurking around as well, so there's a little bit of rotation there. I don't think though that they can repeat the feats of two years. 
years ago, I can't see it happening again. And certainly their league form hasn't been good enough to to show that sort of form. And the defence hasn't been brilliant either. Um, and I think so. The final question is from Marco. Hi, Marco. Um, he's asked if he had to pick an FPL player to go trick or treating with, who would it be? I think it would have to be Phil Jones, just because he, he just looks so threatening and just so scary that anybody who knock on the door is just going to kind of throw the treat straight at you and run off, even though they're going to egg him. That's fair enough. <laughs> I, think, I think I'd like to go um, trick-or-treating with Christian Fuchs. I think he'd, he'd just be a complete laugh. He's, he's got a lot of banter and humour about him, and I bet he'd have a fantastic... Um, costume um, to go with to boot as I, well I maybe, it, maybe not Chris Smalling though I've no, seen no. his Halloween costume <laughs> no they're, they're quite far out there aren't they out on right wing anyway um, so that brings us towards the wrap up uh, next week what are you going to do Nick what are you looking at well I think it depends on Harry Kane yep uh, so um, if he's fit then he's staying in the team I mean, if he's injured, I might still have to hang on to him. But I'm, I'm looking um, to do something with Jesus, but I just, I don't know. I don't know who to bring in for him at the moment. This is it's complicated. It's, just, it's a really tough week. I could end up rolling my transfer, to be honest. Yeah, I'm thinking of maybe doing the same. I mean, I got rid of Kane from Morata last week, and I, Jesus not doing anything against West Brom. You know, it's really, I've had him for two weeks, brought him in for a minus four. He's returned me, what, three points? Yeah, uh, he yeah. missed out on his return. I, 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 think, I, I think so. Um, and I think he's going to be the guy who goes straight away if Kane's fit and he'll come in and be captain. If not, I'm just going to, if Kane isn't looking fit, I'm just going to roll it over his national break. Now, I've been tinkering a lot and making minus fours and all this kind of stuff. Nothing's paid off for me. I might just leave it and captain Solara against the leaky West Ham defence and hope that you know he does convert something if it's not a penalty. <laughs> That's fair enough. And where's the captain going for you this week? At the moment, it's on Mo Salah, but if um, Harry Kane's fit, it'll definitely be Harry Kane. Great. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, so, we are Who Got the Assist. Uh, find us at uh, WGT underscore FPL on Twitter, uh, whogotassist.com. Yeah, but our lead code is 1538-17403. And we're back in game week 11. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please recommend it to your friends so we can spread the love. All right. Thanks very much, guys. We hope this assists you and catch up with you then. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.